Welcome to The Journey is the Reward. I'm Brian Coleman, and I'm here with my co-host, my captain on this journey, Micah. I've been a frequent flyer for a large portion of my life, and most of the travels have been on the United Airlines. As a result of flying around the world, I've flown over 2 million miles as a member of their Mileage Plus program. As a result, I've earned lifetime platinum status. This year, I've set a new goal for myself. I want to fly 3 million miles within the next 18 months and earn 1K status for life. On the show, Mike and I will talk about the planning, the booking of hotels, hotel programs, we'll share personal stories, discuss the passenger experience on my flights, and who knows what all else. The goal is to document the journey, as that is the reward, so let's get started. Micah, hi, hope all is well. I'm back from South Africa, and what an adventure it was. I can't believe that just for the heck of it, you decided to go to South Africa for, what was it, two, three days, and came back just for the journey. What a reward. Exactly. And that's exactly what it was. I figured it was one of the more cost-effective places to go. I was able to get a business class ticket for $2,800 and figured that was a heck of a deal since it's normally around $6,000. So I figured, yeah, why not? This is a good way to go and treat myself. And being this really being the first of the long distance flights, might as well treat myself to a decent class of service. That really is an amazing deal. That's less than $3,000 for a yeah. business class ticket from LA to jo to uh, Cape Town, rather, in South Africa. That, that's unbelievable that you could get something for, for that price. But, you know, I want to ask you, I'm going to jump around a little bit. Sure. I wanted to ask you, you said business class ticket, but it wasn't just business class. It was United Polaris business class, which is even a slightly higher level of service. What was that all about? What was that like? Oh, I'm not sure if it's a higher level of service, but it's it's their new, I don't know, I, I kind of like to describe it as the old first class, but with business class pricing. So the seats are the individual pods, which is which is really nice. They're spread out a little bit more than what business class used to be 20 years ago. So that bit's nice. They're fully reclining seats. But to me, really, the best part about this was being able to access the Polaris Lounge, which is different than the United Club Lounge. My routing, I went from Los Angeles to San Francisco to Newark to Johannesburg. And when I was in uh, San Francisco, I was able to, to go to the club there and had a really delicious, really tasty hamburger. Wow. That, that certainly beats, uh, beats McDonald's, that's for sure. <laughs> or, or in and out at LAX. So yeah. Oh, come it, on, it's kind of hard to beat in and out. <laughs> so that's great. And, and so did you experience a Polaris Lounge only in San Francisco or were there with other Polaris lounges as well? Yeah, I was able to go in the club at Newark as well. There wasn't really much, much time because of the connections, but yeah, I was able to check out both of them. And it really a uh, step above the, the regular clubs is really nice being able to take advantage of them. Again, I didn't have time to, to do it, but they have uh, uh, private day rest sleeping rooms where it's not quite a bed, but a lounge chair that reclines uh, fairly far. Um, you're in your own private room. There are showers there. So on the way back, I was actually able to, to take a shower before I connected uh, on, on the flight to Los Angeles. So it's, it was really nice being able to, to freshen up and have a, have a decent meal and, and, and a beverage along the way. 
And that's something else that you said that I think may be interesting to some of our listeners who may not be familiar with, with business class or what they call current first class is that you said that you have individual pods. Now, I haven't flown business class in a long time. And when I have, mostly it's been domestic. And business class was just a big, wide reclining seat. And you were sitting next to someone and, mm-hmm. you know, might be interrupted, might not, might be a fun conversation, might be a crazy conversation, or might be just silent. But now you're totally alone. You're pretty much isolated. Yeah, which is both good news and bad news. If you're on the window side of the aircraft, you are really in individual pods. If you're in the center of the aircraft, they have two seats together. And some of them, if you're traveling as a couple, are a little bit more convenient to talk with your seatmate, your traveling companion in in the middle. Others, they're not because some seats are uh, facing forward. Some of them are at an angle so they could squeeze more seats in. So basically the foot well takes the free space of the seat in front of you. So by angling them, it allows the, the density to increase. Now, is there room in that pod if you're traveling with someone that two people can sit in there to visit or is it just absolutely one person? In that no, seat? it's one person. It's, it's fairly tight. Um, okay. So yeah, no, it's uh, unlike, uh, let's say Emirates or I believe Singapore, I haven't been on a Singapore business class seat in a very long time, but I believe in the Emirates one, there is actually a room where two people can sit and have a conversation. You certainly can in their true first class product. Now let's talk about flying to Africa. You know, you think Africa and you think deepest, darkest Africa, although you were in, in Cape Town, which is a very cosmopolitan city, but- No, it's actually in Johannesburg, not Johannesburg. Cape Town. Okay, I, I got that all fouled up. But, but anyway, we have to do anything special flying to Africa. And what about traveling there? I mean, that's where the, uh, the Omicron virus de- uh, variant developed. Do you have to do anything special for COVID? Well, I'm not sure if the Omicron uh, variant developed there, but it was certainly first recognized by the scientists there. So I think South Africa got a bad rap in that particular case. However, yes, in preparation for the trip, I did have to take a PCR test and I had to take the PCR test 72 hours before the flight. So that in a way made me feel a little bit good. I know we talked before about TSA, um, the Three Stooges administration and how after 9-11 there was security theater. And I truly believe now flying with COVID that there's healthcare theater going on. I I don't mind having to take a PCR test. I think it's actually a good idea. I wish everyone that flew was fully vaccinated and had to take a PCR test. But the fact that you could take it 72 hours ahead of time just doesn't make sense to me because you could catch COVID between when you were tested and when you fly. And 72 hours just seems like a lot of time. So I'd much rather have it be within 24 hours. Uh, That just seems to make more sense to me. I understand that it's not really practical and you'd have to have a lab at the airport in order to make that happen. But I still think I would feel safer in that regard. Yeah, there's too much time to be able to pick it up and and transmission and and acquisition transmission and and just 72 hours is way too long. But Exactly. But that's what it is. But I had to do a, a PCR test uh, beforehand. So that was that was good. One of the things that frustrated me immensely about this flight was I get an, an email from United saying that I had to or that I was able to check in for the flight. And I go to check in on the flight and it said that there's an issue with my documentation that I have to go to the airport. Well, it was a 6 a.m. departure for me out of Los Angeles. So what I did, I spent the night before at a hotel at LAX and around 9, 10 o'clock at night, 
because I was already at the airport. I went over to the airport to check in and they would not let me check in for the flight because the flight wasn't until the next day. And there was no one at the gate area. The gate agents were sitting around what appeared to be bored silly, but yet they would not let me check in because it was eight hours before my flight, as opposed to being four hours that they say, which is the check-in time. So I went over to the airport, tried to check in, couldn't check in, had to come back the next morning and was on my way. So that was kind of frustrating that, that I couldn't actually check in the day before, even though the website said that I could or should. It's fascinating how that works. I've had some recent experiences with United where I have had agents that have wanted to help me, but their systems just don't allow for it. And we can go into that another time. And it's it's very, very frustrating. And, and, and I think we will, because I think the thing that you're talking about is Wi-Fi service and oh trying to figure out the pricing of Wi-Fi service. And that was actually one of the disappointments on this flight as well, in that I wanted to log in. And United, although they do say that service could be limited, uh, service was absolutely limited. Uh, when I took off from Newark, about two hours into the flight, we lost internet connectivity, and I did not get internet connectivity till about an hour before landing in Johannesburg. So that was a significant part of the 15-hour flight that did not have service. And I'm really glad that I didn't pay the, if I recall correctly, it was $26 for the international service. I'm really glad that I didn't buy that because it would have been a complete waste. But for free, I was able to get texting and that actually worked quite fine. Oh, yeah. We, we texted back and forth while you were en route uh, quite a few times, which was, yeah. was, was very interesting. But yeah, what, what's also frustrating is that when you look at United's website and it shows the coverage areas for internet service, it shows the South Atlantic is perfectly covered by, uh, by the Panasonic satellite service, yet you weren't it, able to get it. It and, sure wasn't. And there, it, there, there's more to that, but um, well, again, we'll go into that at a later time. <laughs> but other than that, what was the onboard experience like? I was really surprised. The United flight attendants did, I think, a, a fantastic job. They were back to doing a higher touch service. So unlike the trip that I did three, four months ago to Germany, uh, where it was really standoffish and they use plastic cups, for example, and in serving beverages. They actually came around the cabin often. They would refill a glass actually at the at the seat. The presentation of the food was was so much better. It was the normal plating service that I think everyone was used to. So it was nice to see them relax. Well, I'm not sure if it's accurate to say that they relax some of the COVID protocols, but they at least enhanced the the touch experience. So I was really happy to to see that and enjoyed that an awful lot. And uh, you know, you always uh, you always like to thank the uh, the flight crew and and the cabin crew. Um, what did you do this time? Yeah, thanks for thanks for mentioning that or asking about that. So I did. I had some uh, thank you cards and some giant paper clips, and I'll try and put a, a picture of the the clip. So I I wrote a special note to the people working on the flight deck 
and basically I, I gave them a card and a paper clip and said, here's a clip for helping to keep things together during the times of COVID. And the flight attendants, all 10 of them on the aircraft, all got a blank thank you card with a note for me as well, thanking them for their, their service and for doing their job of saving my ass and not kissing it. And it was really nice because probably three quarters of the crew uh, came up to me and thanked me or, or recognized the, the fact that I got a gift um, or that I gave them a gift. One of the pilots actually came back. I, I, I'm assuming when he was on, on break, uh, came back and, and thanked me and said that he was going to listen to the Airplane Geeks podcast, which, which I thought was kind of fun because I put one of my business cards in the gift envelope as well. So I think we're going to get a new listener on the Airplane Geeks podcast. Again, it was really quite fun. It's, it's something that I do not do looking for anything in return. It's certainly great when, when it's recognized and, and people thank me. And that was really an awful lot of fun. So really appreciated that. And were you actually able to visit the cockpit to distribute them to the, uh, to the flight crew? Or did you just have them sent up? No, before we pushed back, when the door was open, I stuck my head in and all four pilots were, were in there. And I said, yeah, I just said, I really don't want to take any of your time. And I handed each of them an envelope and just said, thank you very much. And um, one, of the, one of the pilots said, what's this? And I said, well, you're just going to have to open it and find out. And I turned around and hightailed it back to my seat. Um, so I let them open it at their own time. And what kind of aircraft did you fly on each of the flights? Do you remember? Uh, one of the segments, I can't remember which one was a triple seven, all of the rest were 787s. And I, yeah, so I flew on the, a dash eight, dash nine and dash 10. So, so I covered the entire, uh, 787 fleet and I believe it was a triple seven, 300. And that was either San Francisco to Newark or Newark back to San Francisco. I can't remember which. And you were on a wide body LAX to SFO? No, I'm sorry. That was the 737. Okay. Yeah. This wasn't hundred percent sure. Now, you know, this was 15 hours. You were, you were, you were total flying. More or less. And you, and you had to wear a mask the whole time. Yeah. What was that like? It really wasn't all that bad. And for part of the flight, I had my N95 mask on and other parts, I actually had a double mask. So one of the aviation masks that, that you're familiar with that used to be available on tab fabric uh, were that. So double masking, but the rest of the time, uh, except when I was actually having something to eat or drink, I had the N95 mask on and did not bother me really at all. Was able to sleep on the flight as well um, with a mask and, and it was fine. So I was shocked that it, it was really not a problem. That sounds great. It sounds like it was a worthwhile trip overall. Did you, how many days were you in South Africa? So I was there for actually two and a half days. I got together with uh, my friend Francois, who's the owner of a game reserve. And unfortunately, because it was a rainy season in Johannesburg, we weren't able to go out to the game farm, which was unfortunate, but I will be back in May. And we did a lot of planning and preparation for the trip in May. I'm going to be going with a some other friends of mine. So there'll be four of us on the, on, on the trip going out to the farm and really looking forward to that, but really just doing a bunch of prep work, making sure that all the details were covered. So everyone in May has a, has a great time. How many miles are you at now and how many more to go? Oh, that's a great question. I wish I had prepared for that. 
the flight itself, I earned a little over 20,000 miles coming and going. So that was, that was quite nice. So it, you know, reduced my, my threshold by that much. So I believe I have a little over 250,000 miles to go at this point. If I have the numbers right, and I think I have them in front of me, you had 2,685,000. So this should bring you up to about 2,700,000. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So only 300,000 to go. We're almost there. <laughs> exactly. Almost there. Yeah. Just a few more uh, flights. One of the things that I added to the website, it, I, I found this really nice page in that United will tell you where you stand for achieving 1K status with your future flights. So I've added that to the homepage of thejourneyistthereward.org. It's really nice because it's showing that I'm just about $1,000 short and a few miles short. So all I have to do is book one more trip in addition to everything else that I have booked, and I will achieve 1K status for the rest of 2022 and all of 23, which will be really nice. Well, can you give us a quick, do you know offhand, can you give us a quick ride? I mean, we know what your next flight is, but can you give us a quick rundown of what you have booked and what's coming up? So my next trip is actually going to be with you. We're going to London, England to visit the Plain Talking UK folks for their 400th anniversary show. So I'll actually be going Los Angeles to San Francisco to London and then doing a little bit of traveling uh, within Europe and then flying back from Berlin. So we'll get to see Listener Tillman uh, while I'm there and staying at the beautiful Circus Hotel. And then after that, in March, I have a trip to Italy, be flying from Burbank to San Francisco to Munich to Florence, and then driving from Florence to Rome and flying Rome, Newark, Los Angeles. And then in April, which this will be really fun to talk about, I have two back-to-back -back trips scheduled where I'm going to fly from Los Angeles to Honolulu, and I'm doing it twice once on the 12th of April, the other on the 13th of April, where I'm flying back to back and I'm never going to put my toes in the sand in Hawaii nor leave the airport when I'm in Los Angeles. I was able to find some spectacular fares for that and book these two back to back trips to Hawaii. You need to tell the listeners about that fare. You sent me that and I, first of all, couldn't believe that you're flying to Hawaii and flying back, flying to Hawaii and flying back. And one of them, I think you don't even get off the plane. You just turn around on the same plane that's going out. Yeah, you, you have to get off. It, yeah, you have to get off because they have to clean it and all. Yeah, right. so that'll be but, fun. But what is that? What, what are you paying to go round trip LAX to Hawaii? So including tax and everything, it was $258. And that's for the regular economy ticket. Had I chose to, to fly in the basic economy, it would have been $238. But I decided for the extra benefits to book the uh, regular economy fare. So $258 for the round trip. And what's the likelihood of with your status being pushed up into business? At Platinum, I, it's a toss up. I just, I just don't know. Uh, at this point. So that'll be fun to see. The good part is, if it does clear, it'll be a complimentary upgrade. So I won't have to spend any miles or points or, or money for the upgrade. And that's really what I'm, what I'm looking forward to. I think regardless, what I'm going to do is upgrade one of my segments coming back from Hawaii. So that way I could at least sleep. 
otherwise I'll be awake for two hours. Two days almost. Yeah. Well, we are slowly running out of time. And uh, before we, uh, we go, well, before we go, we have to say, do a couple of some housekeeping <laughs> chores, but I am really looking forward to a week from the day we're recording this, a week from today. And I wish you were getting the miles that I was flying because I'm flying out to meet you in San Francisco from Portland, Maine, only to get on a plane and fly to LHR. So uh, that's going to be an, yeah. an interesting day. But, you know, we've been, this is the fourth episode, I think. We've been doing it for a little bit. If people are listening and they like what they're listening to and they want to support us, how can they do that? Yeah, the best way to do that is to go to thejourneyistthereward.org and there's a donation button. They could click on the donation. They could make a cash contribution through Patreon, which would be absolutely wonderful. And that certainly helps to offset some of the expenses. One of the other things that I was thinking about the other day is just in case if there are any United uh, frequent flyers and they have any plus points and they wanted to donate some plus points and help me upgrade any of these segments and I'm going to be on, that would also be greatly appreciated. So I'm really not looking for any money from anyone to support the travel or the travel costs, although it's greatly appreciated. It's really just to offset the expense of doing the show, the web hosting fees, the recording equipment, all the stuff that we have to, to do to, to make this happen. And that's why I thought, again, if there's a United Frequent Flyer that has any extra plus points and wants to donate them, they can certainly help make my journey a little bit more comfortable sitting in the front of the plane. And with any luck, the next time we come to you, it may only be a, just an audio piece with some photos, but uh, it, it may be from 30,000 feet. Yeah, definitely looking forward to that. And I uh, actually have some new recording equipment that we could try out along the way. So I bought some lavalier mics and uh, it'll be interesting to see how they work and if they work from the air as well. So definitely looking forward to flying with you. Can't wait to see you in San Francisco. We'll get to check out the Polaris Lounge there and it, it'll definitely be a great experience. Flying to San Francisco for a hamburger. Sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Thank Micah. you so much. Yeah, Micah, thank you so much for, for helping me along the, the journey. Um, really, really appreciate your time and effort and, and, and being my captain. My pleasure. So for the journey is a reward here in Portland, Maine. This is your main man, Captain Maniac Micah, signing out. And, and this is Brian. Remember, fly safely. <laughs>